Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Blessed, 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 and uh, I know you at home. I just uh, I encourage you, don't just be um, a spectator, be a participator, even at home. And um, I was telling someone, because he was saying, you know, I just feel like I, you know, I just just show up my pajamas and I'm just there but I'm like get yourself dressed and like treat it like you're going to church you're going to receive you know stand up and and worship and sing and and uh just don't just be a spectator be a participator and let God hear your voice because he loves to hear our voice he's not uh he's not into entertainment he's into a relationship and he desires to hear our voices. He desires to experience his goodness with us. Well, Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Exciting. I love Pentecost because I'll tell you, it changed my life. And um, I grew up a good Mennonite boy. And um, I don't have anything... Uh, bad to say about my upbringing. I'm very, very thankful because they taught me so much about salvation, about dedication, about honoring the Lord with your life, and um, so such a strong foundation. But uh, I knew when I got into my teens, I needed more. I needed more, and I knew there was more to God, and I didn't know what it was, and when I encountered God through this on-fire youth group that was just just radical for Jesus. And they had this, the Holy Spirit. They talked about the Holy Spirit a lot, and I hadn't heard a lot about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and they were just talking about how he baptized them and how he filled them and how he gave them power. And I saw these young people seeing miracles, seeing God heal, seeing God deliver. I saw people, young people in our high school that were drug addicts, that were set free by the power of God. And I knew that there was something more that I didn't have yet. And so it was like, you know what? I'm going to press into this. I'm going to look into this and I'm going to I'm going to begin to, to see if there's something more. And, and, and yes, there was. When I looked into the Word of God, I saw it. We're going to look at this today. We're celebrating um, Pentecost Sunday, which was, happened in the book of Acts. And it absolutely changed and re- revolutionized the church. Because before that, the, the, Holy, the Spirit of God could rest upon someone. But when Pentecost came... The Holy Spirit dwelt in us and gave us power to be able to walk in that power and dwell in that power. And so it changed our life. I said it was like, for me, it was like going from a handsaw to a chainsaw. And it was, and it wasn't just like, and uh, it changed everything. And so for me, it was an absolute turnaround in my life, and a, a complete revolutionary change. My family was very afraid at the beginning um, because I was like, because in our, one thing in our denomination, they had taught that tongues and the Holy Spirit stuff was from the devil. And um, so they thought I was going to grow horns. And uh, they were watching me closely, but they found out I became more loving. 
I became more dedicated to Jesus. I, I had a different power that was greater than what they were seeing in their own lives. And eventually, they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they all got on fire for God. And so this is what it's about. It's about tapping into all that God has. And, you know, Jesus, he said this in, uh, we're going to go to John, because uh, in the book of John, Jesus here was talking about, and, and the title of the message is, uh, Holy Spirit, um, the advantage, or I can't remember, it's something like that. I, I made up some title. I don't know if they're using it. Anyway, we have the advantage with the Holy Spirit. And there's a reason why, because Jesus said we do. In fact, how many think having Jesus on earth with you, you know, being your, your mentor or your, your disciple or the one that disciples you is pretty cool? It'd be like everyone would want to be in his small group, right? Because he only had 12, right? So everyone would be fighting for being in the 12. And, um, but Jesus here is talking to his disciples. He's telling them, I'm not going to read what's happened in, in John 15, but basically he's telling them, I'm going to the cross. People are going to start to kill you. They think they're, going to th- they think they're doing me a favor, all the religious people, by the things that they begin to do to you. And, and he's really not telling them a good story. Sometimes, you know, different things that God uses that could be bad things, he works in them to, to bring something good. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to come out of that on top. And so this is what he was saying here. He's saying, look, these things are going to happen. But then he says, verse 5 in, in John 16, he says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But he says, but in fact, it is best for you. Or another translation says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because then I will send him to you. Um, or, no, first of all, it says here, if I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, he won't come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So, first of all, he says here, look, I have to go away because if I don't, the Holy Spirit cannot come to you and he cannot come close to you. He cannot be, that word is paraclete in the Greek. And what that means is to come alongside with you and take hold together with you. It's like, a, you know, if I, I can't use someone for an illustration because six inch or six foot, whatever rule for COVID. So, but, you know, normally I would grab a person and you come alongside them and you literally are in step with everything they're doing. He is the helper. He brings comfort in situations. And more than ever before, we need to know the Holy Spirit's power in this way. Because... We are in a day where um, everything on every side is pressing. And if we don't know the power of the Holy Spirit, and, we don't, and we're not baptized in that power, because Jesus said, you know, he told those same 12 that have been mentored by him, there's no one going to mentor you better than Jesus. And he told them, guys, you need to go and get this power from on high in order to be my witnesses. In other words, 
You're not good enough right now. You need something more. You need power. And this power comes from the Holy Spirit. The one I'm telling you here that gives you the advantage. Because you need supernatural power to serve a supernatural God. That's what we need. It's not just about lip, lip service. Paul said that. I didn't come to you just in speech. I came to you in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that backs up God's words. And he says here, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. So it's the Holy Spirit's work. To change a heart. I fought three years when, when God was, I had gone on a path where I was becoming a professional athlete and it was boom, 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 everything, 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 everything was that. And I'd been raised to honor God and to live for Jesus. And then when I detoured, those three years were so miserable because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. No. This, is the, this isn't the right place. Jesus needs to be in the, in the forefront. And I just, for three years, I fought the Holy Spirit. But he convicted me. And, and, and anyone, anyone that tries to sin, once you've, you've received Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not going to let you just stay in that sin. It's going to gnaw at you. It's going to gnaw at you. And those we're praying for, that they'll see the truth. The Holy Spirit's working to convict people. It's his job. He's the one that works in the heart. I love it because the Holy Spirit does what no person can do. He changes the heart. He works on the inside. And he also, he convicts the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And it says here, verse 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. So he's saying the Holy Spirit reveals that righteousness that we can literally walk in that righteousness. And then it says here, judgment will, become, will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So even that judgment that comes, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings that urgency, brings that, that, that desperation, that sense of, it's just, you know, because for us, we just want to eat Doritos and sit on the couch. If we're left to our own, own devices, that's what we'll do. We'll just... Take it easy. And the Holy Spirit works in us, and he, he puts urgency. He puts many things in our hearts. He says, and this is what I love, because this is another work of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is something that we, we need to be aware of very much so right now. Jesus said, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. He can't bear it now. And I tell you, the one thing that I've realized in my, uh, don't even know how many years, it's been over 40, um, where, you know, walking with God, there's so many things that I know further down he was able to tell me, but I know years before he was working on me to be able to even receive what he had to tell me because I wasn't ready to bear it yet. And there are things the Holy Spirit was working on in us. And there's things for the future. There's a lot of fear in people. We don't have to have that fear. 
The Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, is there. And this is what it says he'll do. It says here, when the spirit of truth comes, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. Not partial truth. Not just a little bit to the side here, a little bit there, a little dab here. No, he will guide you into all truth. And this is what I love with working with the churches of Barry. Because there is not one church that has absolute all the truth. And, I, and I'll tell you, when you walk out of your circle, because we all get in our circles. We get, we get clicky. We get, you know, we like, these are my peeps. And this is the way we think. And this is the way we roll. And, you know, I, I really like the way we, we groove together with God. But it's like, okay, then you got to get into this other circle. And they'll be, maybe say something in a different way or from a different perspective. And it's like, I never saw that before. And, and vice versa. And it's why? Because all truth is in the Holy Spirit. And as we follow him, he can bring us into those things if we're willing. And he, the Holy Spirit, and his, by his power does this. He reveals the truth. And it says he will not speak on his own will, but will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. Amen. He will forewarn you. I cannot tell you how many times, and I could tell you story upon story of situations where he forewarned me, and I was, I was just spending time with him, and I was just worshiping God, and, just, and, and I didn't even, wasn't even aware of what was coming. Sometimes it's through a dream. Sometimes it's through a vision, because dreams and visions are the language of the Spirit. That's how God speaks to us many times. And, but, but when he speaks... He reveals sometimes things that you need to know that are in the future that you did not know and were not aware of. His promises, he will show you things to come. And it says here, verse 14, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I love the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three of them are one. They all work together. They are all very different, but they all work in unison. It's like the perfect union. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in that way. And that power, I believe, we need more than ever before in life. And so... But you know what? He makes an every average Joe Blow supernatural in, in what he does. And I want us to look at someone in the Bible because um, we see this here with, um, I'm going to just go to it quick. If we go to um, Stephen in the Bible, in Acts, um, I have to find it here. Let's go to Acts uh, 6. So here, the, the early church had a problem in that there were so many people coming to Jesus that 
they didn't know what to do with them. How many know that would be a good problem? They had to feed the widows. There was so much that they were doing out there in, the, in, in, in reaching people and ministering to people that the apostles were so busy about all of that. Let's look at it. It says here, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. See, discrimination was happening even then. Everyone thought, you know, it's, a, it's constantly there, and we have to continually contend with it. So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of what? Knowledge and wisdom have read the Bible 50 times and have gone to Hebrew school and all of the rest and boom, boom, boom. No, they're full of the Spirit and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and blah, blah, blah. We're going to go on. They, they pick these names. And it says here, I'm not going to read all the names. But Stephen, I'd love this to put in brackets, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The other ones were just there. But um, Stephen is the one that said he's man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. It says, these were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread, and the numbers of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Now, Stephen, verse 8, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Okay, hey, wait, this guy's supposed to be waiting on tables. He's supposed to be, he's doing that, and he's sneaking in. I'm praying for this person, and, and God, poof, heals and, and brings healing and, and ministers. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And we're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do this. We got all these excuses, and it's like, no, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. And when he baptizes us and we receive that power, we can do anything. And here Stephen is a man full of God's grace and power. He performs these amazing miracles and signs among the people. But, uh-oh, but one day. There's always a one day. And the one day isn't always so nice. But it says, but one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So Stephen is so filled with the spirit of God and even the word of God that they can't even stand against this wisdom and the, and the, and the, the spirit that was coming out of him. So they persuaded some of the men to lie about Stephen. I want to just see how far we go here. And so they, um, it, it says here, let me just make sure I don't go too far. So they, they persuaded some of the men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheming Moses and even God. This aroused the people and the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. 
The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. So here we got two different environments happening here. And this is what I love, is that when we are filled with the Spirit of God, an environment can be hostile, it can be absolutely anti-God, or anti-what God is doing. And in this case, it was even religious people, but they were anti-against what God was doing. And they were, they were hostile, and they, you know there was hatred, and there was all kinds of stuff. And in the midst of that, Stephen's glowing like an angel, and they're even realizing it. He's just there at peace, just glowing, just beaming. That's what I want to be. In the midst of COVID craziness, let me shine like an angel. And so this is what he did. Now, I'm not going to get into his sermon, which is amazing, because it would take too long, and you would not be happy with me if we went through it all. But it's an amazing, an amazing sermon that he declared to the people there. But then after that, we're going to go to Acts 7, and we're going to start at 54. So after he's done speaking this message, um, there was an altar call. (laughs) The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. So this is the altar call. This is the the ending of, of a powerful message that is preached. See, sometimes truth, it can cause us to get angry. And we're going to look at this when Jesus confronts Saul, who becomes Paul, because This is what we have to understand more than ever before, is the Spirit's power can literally take control of a situation, and it will shake it up. I guarantee you it'll shake it up. Now, the change can go either way, and in this case, we're going to see with Stephen, he was able to take the heat, and, you know, we all, oh, I can't take persecution, oh, I don't know what I would do. What you will do is if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can do anything. And in this case, it says here, they got mad at him. And it says here, they shook their fists in rage at him. But it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So literally, Jesus stands up to honor Stephen, who is going to be a martyr. And God opens his eyes by the Spirit and gives him the opportunity to see what was happening. And so, and and then he he told them, he said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in, in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, and they rushed at him. And they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. 
And his accusers took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And I want us to understand that when we look at the early church and we will look at the Bible and how it unfolds, this Saul here, we're going to see, gave us many of the books of the New Testament. But in this case here, he's standing at the feet of, of a man who's going to be murdered and he literally is approving and he's saying, good job. And it says, and as they shouted, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed. This is, this is the difference between being filled with the Spirit and not being filled with the Spirit. It's filled with love. It's filled with grace. It's filled with power. You know, there's a lot going on with the churches and they're, they're, they're sour. And they're vindictive. And they're mean. And the way they're talking to one another. And the way they're treating one another. And the way they're talking about those in authority. Jesus here, Paul here, not Paul, Stephen. This is what he, he's being stoned. These guys are literally gnashing their teeth at him. They're so, you can, t you can be sure there were d demons there manifested through these people. And in the midst of all that, he's, he's, he looks up and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them. With this sin. He leaves with forgiveness and love. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a miracle. And so many times we focus on the healing or the miracle or all of this. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says, and with that, he died. That was his ending. That would be a good ending. Jesus is receiving you, and you're like ready. And so this is the power of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, we see that Saul here was in the midst of this. And Saul there is approving of this death. But if we go to Acts 9, let's go there. This is the thing about the Holy Spirit. When we pray and when we encounter him, we want others to know. And I remember when we, and I'll talk about our youth group again because it was just a powerful time in the Holy Spirit. We had a hit list, a prayer hit list. And we prayed for the hardest ones. We prayed for one of the hardest guys in our school. He was the biggest drug dealer. He was bad. And he was mean to us. And we prayed, God, get him, God, get him, God, get him. And we had this hit list, and we started praying through it. And you know what? Bing, bing, bing. Every one of them had a powerful encounter with God and got radically changed. We had one girl in, in there whose mom and dad were, uh, the, the marriage was horrible. He had been cheating, and it was just a bad, bad marriage. And and she just was, would come every week, and we'd be, she'd be weeping over that relationship. But you know what? God restored it. He restored it. Why? Because we allowed the Holy Spirit and his power to come in. And I believe the early church was praying for Saul. I believe they were praying for all the leaders. They were praying for God to work and to begin to turn things around. And guess what? 
Jesus showed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's go to Acts uh, 9, starting at verse 1. And it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. And he literally thought he was doing God a favor. That's how deceived he was. And so, so he went to the high priest. And he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. So he went to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. How many know that's not really negotiable? <laughs> It's like, um, and sometimes we, 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 we treat, you know, we, we treat prayer, we treat the things of God like we're begging and like um, we're hopeful. But there are things God wants to do, and it's non-negotiable. And we need to be praying like that. There are things that are established in God's word that are true. And the Spirit of God is working to cause those things to come to pass. And there are things that are going to be in the way of that, like Saul. And they will be confronted by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that knocked him off his horse. And like, and, he, and then Jesus confronts him. And I love this. He says, why are you persecuting me? And he wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting his body. But Jesus takes it personal. And whenever we talk against the church and we put down the body, we're doing it to Jesus. And we need to stop because he takes it personal. It's his body. It's his church. And so he says, you're going to go into the city and do what I told you. It says, so the, when the, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. And he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. How many know you're pretty shook up when you can't even eat or drink and you're just... Okay, his whole world was turned around. Now, I love this. I love how God uses ordinary people. Because... It says here, the Lord spoke to him. It says, now there was a believer. He's just a believer in Damascus named Ananias. All right? Just an ordinary believer just hanging out, you know, probably praying, probably asking God, what do you want me to do next? I don't think he would have prayed this prayer if he had a new, what he was going to ask him to do next. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision saying, Ananias. And yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. To the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. 
He is praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Okay, now what I want us to see here, and this is what we have to get used to. The Holy Spirit is speaking to both. He was speaking to Saul, and he's telling him this guy Ananias is going to come, and he's going to pray for you. He's literally showing him things to come, and they haven't happened yet. And we're like, we, we like to control everything so much to the point that we don't want to leave room open for the Holy Spirit to show us maybe something that's going to happen. We've got so, so many agendas and plans and, and things that we're just like, we, we leave no margin for the Holy Spirit to have room. Did, did we even ask him, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to do? Because in this case... The Lord spoke to him in a vision, and he called him, and he said, Ananias. And he said, yes, Lord. So he responded. Then the Lord gave him instruction and said, Saul's there praying. I've shown him that you're coming, and you're going to lay hands on him, and he's going to see again. But I love this, verse 13. But, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers. I'm a believer. Like, do you know what you're doing? And, and he is authorized, he said, by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. See, we're very concerned about self-preservation, right? It's like, well, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> you know, the Lord, the Lord already sees all of that. He knows what's going to happen. He already knows that Saul's going to bring the greatest uh, revelation of the church and what Jesus did on the cross. He's going to reveal what happened behind the cross and, and have revelation knowledge of this. He's bringing something to the church, but all Ananias sees is he might hurt me. Why? Because that's what we do. We preserve our own life. It takes the Spirit of God for us to be able to lay our lives down. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to all the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brothers, Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So right there, boom, filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized, and after he ate some food, and regained, afterward he ate some food and regained his strength. And then we see, if we read on, he goes into Jerusalem, and and he continues on, and he, he gets discipled, and he, and he becomes this powerful, powerful preacher for the gospel. But it didn't start there. And it didn't start um, by him cooperating. It started by powerful confrontations from the Holy Spirit. 
And there are, I believe, some powerful confrontations. There are things that the Holy Spirit wants to begin to get in order. I believe that as we are begin to call out, I'm looking forward to this Thursday, as we're calling out as the churches of Barrie, together as a united voice, we're calling out for more of God. We're calling out for a move of God. We're calling out for His Spirit to work and to move and to begin to change things in, in authority and change things that are in power. This, this is where the Holy Spirit works and moves. And this is where he fills us with more power. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. This is where we allow those times for filling. We're not filling ourselves with just um, Netflix and all these other filler things that we can fill ourselves with. We are taking time to be filled with the Spirit and allowing him to fill us and to fill us and to fill our places of uh, wherever, whatever we're doing, our work, we're making margin. We're saying, Holy Spirit, give me the ability to do what I need to do. Let me be able to see what I don't see today. Holy Spirit, reveal to me things that I don't know or I don't see today. Holy Spirit, lead me into all truth where I think I've got it all together and in the bag. Guess what? I don't. What else do I not know? Holy Spirit, lead me into that truth today. Reveal what is, it, what is there for me. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. And Paul knew this. And Paul walked in this. But, but the one thing that, that was interesting is Jesus said, and I will show him many things that he will suffer in my name. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk through things with long-suffering. And I believe that's one thing we're going to learn. Things are getting more hostile. Things are getting more agitated. And if you think that people are going to be clapping and saying, oh, isn't it wonderful? Praise God. It's doing such a wonderful thing. I love the truth you're telling me about this. And they're going to just skip along with you. And it's like, no, there's, there's mobs coming. And you can see it. Just watch Facebook on certain controversies. All of a sudden, a mob will come with one comment, and it's like, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to not be able to defend ourselves and get vindictive and all of the rest, to stand secure in who we are in Christ and in the truth of what he's called us to. Jesus can defend himself. He's a big boy. He can defend himself. All we need to do is follow him. All we have to do is be surrendered to him. And I believe more than ever before, we need that power. And I, Paul prayed a prayer in Ephesians. And I pray this with my pastor friends. Um, we have a weekly prayer time that we pray on Thursday afternoons over lunch. And Ephesians 3. It's safe to pray scriptural prayers because there's no controversy it's the Bible. It's like we're not going to argue with this prayer. It's powerful. And um, Paul prayed this prayer over the church, and it's such a powerful prayer. And, he, and this is what I want us to see is that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we have so much available to us. And Paul here is praying this in this particular prayer. And, um, 
And I believe that it's a work of the Spirit for us to begin to see all that is available to us. That it never stops, that there will always be things. And we'll see it when we read this prayer. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Amen? Unlimited resources. And not just unlimited, glorious unlimited resources. And it says with those, he empowers you with inner strength through his spirit. See, that's the one thing people can't take. You can take all the stuff outwardly. Do... People threaten this and threaten that, and they use all this and pull all these strings. It's like you can't take, first of all, what God gave to me and the things that he gives to me on the inside. You can do whatever you want on the outside. It's not changing the inside. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the inner strength and empowers us. And that means if we need to speak a truth like Stephen, which he did, and I'll tell you, read that message he preached. It is powerful. They couldn't resist, the Bible says, the spirit he's spoken. And when we, the word needs to get out, it doesn't matter if it's not received. Once it's out, the, out of the bag, guess what? Saul got saved. The very one that was okaying his death eventually got knocked off his horse. Do you not think that message was starting to do? It was out there. We, we do not realize the power of the Holy Spirit and what he can do. It says, verse 17, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So what is it that we need to do? We need to let Christ make his home in our hearts through trusting him with everything. I want his home to be. I don't want it to be a place where he just visits. I want it to be his habitation. I want it to be his home. I don't want him to just have house visits, okay? Every Tuesday and Thursday, you're allowed in here, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday, me time. Weekends, they're debatable. We'll see. No, I want a habitation. I want it to be his home. And he says here, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Amen? Keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. So, we should. We should know how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. So in other words, we're not going to ever understand it fully. And I tell you the truth, we even need the Spirit of God to help us to receive it because it's so powerful. We'll never understand it. 
And I love this. Then, once you've done this, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I'll tell, I want to encourage you, pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Not just once or twice. Make this a, a prayer. This is a powerful, powerful prayer. And he says, and he ends with this, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Again, it's within us. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Isn't that great? It doesn't matter. I might have thought it, and I might have, you know, and God will always go beyond. We're so limited, and our thinking many times just limits us. But God is like, no, my spirit in you is going to go beyond what you imagine or you think. And he will accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And it says, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're a generation that this prayer is for. Amen. I want to have the worship team up. We're going we're gonna to just close in just worship and just thanking God for the power of his Holy Spirit. And I want to pray for those that, um, you know, maybe you've not been, you've heard about Pentecost and you're wondering what that is. And it is, it's a completely separate, um, it's not, when you receive Christ, you receive the deposit of the Holy Spirit, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's to be absolutely overflowing with the Holy Spirit, where he literally takes control and he flows out of you completely. And this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what Pentecost was. The disciples had the deposit, but it was where these rivers of living water began to come out of them. And the people even thought they were drunk. They were so free, but Peter reminded them, it's too early in the morning. We're not drunk as you suppose. We are filled with the spirit of the living God. We are in tongues of fire, and the fire of God burned in them. And this is what we want. This is what we need. Nothing in this world can satisfy more than that. And we need that more than ever before. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.